0: The garden help you need now. Mid South Gardening on the mighty nine ninety, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder.
1: Back
2: by popular demand, it is Mid South Gardening.
3: Good morning, good morning, gardeners, (laughs) and welcome to Mid South Gardening. (laughs) I'm Veda with Palladio. We've got. I had
2: to speak up to wake up. Veda over here. <laughs>
3: oh, I'm just waiting for Alan to, to go like that, <laughs> and then I go, hello, and Jim. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, everybody. Glad to be here with you. Good morning, Miss Veda and Mr. Jim.
4: Howdy, Happy howdy. Uh, Independence Day, and Mr. Allen, our producer over there, good morning to him also. We couldn't do it without Alan, you That's know? That's right,
3: because if, if I didn't have anybody doing that, that what am do I doing? It. Pointing right, so <laughs> so so they know morning, what I'm have, doing, because they're like, what's that?
4: Morning, you know, I am mean, supposed to be a beautiful weekend. Yes. Yeah. Are Should y'all going to go to the lake? You no, going to work go in the yard? No, go to
3: work. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Go to work. I mean, what,
4: so what's wasn't you, right? Right.
3: And, but, you know, thank goodness we work in a fantastic industry. Work in outside environment, that inside makes it, environment. Yeah, it makes it not horrible. And Jim's over there smiling like, <laughs> <laughs> y'all not asking me because I don't want to know. What are you... You're planting beautiful plants, I, I know am. that. I I picked
2: up some really nice stuff at your place yesterday. I saw some of that when you came by. Yeah, I went by and showed Kenneth to make you make him oh, jealous. Good, 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 thank <laughs> you,
3: thank you. <laughs> and it was
4: so, uh, you had like this osmanthus. That
2: little tiny leaf, yeah. sweet olive, is just, uh, I'm n- I've never seen that. And I have so yeah. I'm real excited about having that. It's
3: been intense. It We've let it get really dry, and it stayed moist, and, and yeah. there, I'm excited to see too, because I'm like, That could be a container. This thing's got a
2: tiny, I mean, thumbnail size leaf, and it's just, they say it's going to get six feet tall.
3: So, Mm, uh, when? I haven't seen it grow a smidge. So, that's going to be fun. It's going to be slow. Yeah, kind of like the big boxwoods that get 15 feet. uh, Yeah. Picked
2: up an unusual hydrangea. You know, obviously it was mislabeled because it's not what it says it should be. So, really excited about having that. Try to figure out what it is now, but. mm -hmm.
3: Maybe it's, it's uh, is it
2: a mop
4: head or is it a lace cap or what kind it, of it's idea? a mop head. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, it's one of the seaside series, but it's uh, it, it should be red and have rounded petals, but this thing is is very frilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks, it looks like it's just one section of the plant. It almost sounds so, like
3: a beautiful virus. Yeah, you know, if you I, think I, about well it, he's probably
2: got the only one that's yeah. like that. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. When I walk through nurseries, yes. that's what I look for: odd things, look for odd
3: colors. Oh, that's hostas. why you went to see Kenneth because you look for odd. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. here I am. So you I, know. Had to, I had to. Had <laughs> to.
4: And Jim, so, you know, I heard you were here yesterday morning talking yep, about koi. Yep, fish. yep. I
2: joined Tim every Friday morning. I won't be here next next Friday cuz he's going to be down at the that whatever that in thing Dallas, going yeah, to. Yeah, you know. CPAC. So um but yeah, we talked about koi and you know the fact they've been around for basically 2000 years or so.
4: So they're not hard
2: to raise. Do they're they? not. No, the the Chinese actually started raising them back in uh, before the time of Christ. And uh, they had them growing in their irrigation ditches and ponds, Mm, and and they would eat those. But they were just a silver carp. They weren't the color thing. And uh, China introduced them to Japan. And then somewhere along the way, there were some mutations that had some red in them. And then they started selecting those. But the real colors that you have now, they didn't start till really the 1800s. And the Japanese started really crossbreeding them to get the color combinations that you have today.
4: It's like so, some people, you know, collecting art. Some mm-hmm. people collect highly, really expensive koi fish. Yeah,
2: that's, um, you know, we point out the one sold at an auction uh, about a year and a half ago for $1.8 million. <laughs> a fish. Yeah, yeah. a fish. Um,
3: and then it died on the way home no, Oh gosh, <laughs> I hope not
2: <laughs> But it's, you know, they're, they're quite fascinating And uh, and they're very friendly fish You know, they'll feed out of your hand Oh,
3: they let my dog lick their heads Yeah Because yeah. <laughs> the, uh, he was drinking out of the water in the pond Which was giving all the aeration And they would all come up And just play under where he was licking mm-hmm. Or slurping Or what do dogs do? Lapping well, so, so people
4: that, that won't Are even thinking about koi I mean, do you need a pretty
2: big... Well, you need to have one that's really 24 to 36 inches deep to get some size on them. Which is not too bad. yeah, Yeah, They'll grow in shallower, but they just don't really pick up much size um you, you really need roughly 50 gallons or so per fish you know it's uh, the rule of thumb is one mm. inch of fish for every three to five gallons of water okay uh and most of them usually i mean if you let them grow and got a big enough pond they'll get 25 pounds or so <laughs> um the biggest one that i've ever seen was one that was five feet long and weighed 90 pounds wow uh, it was uh, happened to be named big mama <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, i can't imagine
3: why they came up with that name. that fitting
2: so. now
4: what about uh, in the winter, Jim, when it gets really well,
2: cold, well, you know that's the neat thing—they don't eat from about October w- till sometime in March or April when the water temperature gets back up. Mm-hmm. Crazy, uh, you know—they'll nibble on stuff in the water. Um,
4: you know, they but will, you're not out there feeding them. No, anyway. you don't have to
2: feed them. Right, at all.
3: and you know a lot of people do not realize that you shouldn't feed after October. Yeah, and because we want to.
2: Yeah, they pass that food through them, you know, mm-hmm. without digesting it, which can foul your water. Um, is it, it can freeze the t- surface can freeze for a day or so usually unless you're really overloaded on fish. Um, but I usually just have a pump that churns the surface, so you know, ninety percent of the pond would be frozen. But there's just some air gases exchanged there.
4: Now you've got a huge, you know, well, yeah, yeah, pond it, in
2: well, your backyard. I'd say it's huge. It's only about four feet wide, but it's thirty feet long. Well, there you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it has a hundred gallon stock tank that's a that is the filter. Uh, for it. And
4: you've got aquatic plants in there also?
2: It, well, I actually have my overflow water hyacinths in there because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I bought 10 water hyacinths and now I've got 4,000. Um, so so exactly.
3: Good compost now. <laughs> <I laughs> have a I great, great to problem keep, to have.
2: <laughs> I have to keep thinning them out of my other you know, where I have my lotus because they just they're actually flowing over the side, so these you know, are all floaters over.
4: that you have in there. In that one, yes. Oh, in that, yes. I have got more
2: than I more. have my yeah. lotus, and I have six other water features that have uh, lotus mm-hmm. or water lilies in them,
3: right? And the thing so. to think about is all those plants that you have are really needed, it makes your whole system better, right. yeah. Uh, so, because you need at least 80. 60 maybe percent of the surface covered to really help in with a, shading the that's sun. right in a sunny
2: pond right. which it does what right. right. well it, it cuts the amount of sunlight down which helps clear your water mm-hmm. you know the natural progression of a pond is that in the spring when the temperature begins to rise the algae is the first thing to kick in which like, is not what you, you really want right, well, right. It, the pea it, green it's healthy algae. for the yeah. fish but yeah. it's <laughs> you know people like to see their fish mm. you mm-hmm. know so as the season progresses and the water warms up and your water plant Plants kick in, your filter is beginning to work properly and taking the nitrogen out of the water, then the water clears up on Without its own. Without you doing anything at all, at all to that's it. That's right. Right. You and
3: know, if anybody's planning on cleaning their pond, don't scrub it sterile. Like That's again, right. Yeah. Keep, keep the sides, keep some of the algae on the rocks. That's
2: and, particularly if you yeah. have filter media like, you know, I used to have, had a filter that I built that used air conditioner filters to, you know, the, the <laughs> plastic hard type, not the papery ones that as <laughs> a filter and cause it's got a lot of surface area and you get good, mm-hmm. good bacterial growth. But when you take those out, you don't want to wash all that off with chlorinated water because you kill so your I bacteria. So I would think you would scrub everything well, down, yeah, you know, they, you just take it out, knock it on the ground, get mm-hmm. the gum out of it so you get still air movement through it and put it right back in the yeah. water and that way your bacteria is still,
4: uh, uh, still active and growing. No tricks yeah. of the trade and because it. I know people that do have aquatic Uh, features in their backyard and like once a year they're out there draining everything out scrubbing that thing down to pristine shape Mm -hmm. putting chlorinated water back in there and starting over
3: yeah and not even treating and throwing the fish back in
2: (laughs) that can be that can be detrimental you know chlorine can burn their gills so you've got to be very careful normally i won't add more than you know due to evaporation i'll add about an inch of water in there you know, which is running it for about 30 minutes in my, in my, uh, with a water And you do that once a week or it, well, you just depends. keep that water I've level actually up. only had to do it twice before this season. Okay. Uh, we've been having enough rain and, like, I got in the last two days over an inch of mm-hmm. rain. Uh, so that's helped bring it back up.
4: Yeah. Yeah. All right, so, it, and I know we only got like 30 seconds, but is, do you have to go out there and check the pH of your water and I, all that I stuff? D- I like do, you do periodically, a, like yeah. Pool? I, I, because a,
3: of the koi that you're checking mainly? Mostly,
2: yes. Okay.
4: I have uh, a little test
2: strips that has nine different tests on it, and all yeah. you do is dip it once. Okay. It reads your pH, it reads your hardness, it reads uh, alkalinity. Uh, I mean, uh, nitrites, nitrates. So it gives you a just total health of your entire pond but
4: when just dipping it. But one there time. are products that you can use to pour in that water to correct any problem that you might come across. Yes, you can fix whatever's broke.
3: Yep, We're just having to create what Mother Nature creates. Right. And it's a number of little systems to make it work. So I think uh, we'll run off to a break but you know what? Y'all got to call us at 260-5926 and then Jim, weren't we?
2: Yeah, sometime we're going to give out a couple of, of uh, Todd's new book Here, our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Draw. Got some super recipes in there and great devotions. So uh, some lucky caller
4: during uh, each hour will end up getting one of those. You got it. And if you don't give us a call, it's easy, 260-5926.
0: The Mighty 990, KWAM, and Mighty990.com.
2: And welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We're going to talk a little bit more about Koi, because it's one of my favorite things, you know. Uh, um,
4: but oh, we do hey, have Mr. Jerry oh, online, one okay. that
2: we've got to That's get to. That's your next
3: favorite thing. Good uh, morning,
2: Jerry. Hey, uh, Jerry, how are you this morning?
3: Good morning. Good
2: morning,
5: uh, Mr. Jerry. But um, I've asked this before, and it, I thought it somebody could work, but last year, or a couple of years ago, four, five, six, eight, something like that, or it started out. Thirteen years ago, I planted some monkey grass uh, in the spot beside my garage. Uh, mm. did beautiful. Yeah. It's on the west side of the house, it gets, you know, fairly good rain and everything's done. Mm-hmm. And it bloomed a few years later. Yeah. Well, I got the bright idea a few years ago to cut it down. So I took the mower in the fall and cut it down to about, you know, the highest setting on the mower, which mm-hmm. is three, four inches, whatever it was. Mm. Well, it took a while before it ever came back to looking good again. Uh, I've been I've been putting more on it. Mm-hmm. Well, they're big, bushy, and, and you know, beautiful looking plants now. Yeah, Last but year or I say this year this this year in like January, February, we did trim them a little bit with some like edge clippers. Not much. So yeah, it wouldn't cut good. Uh, what do they? What do I need to do? Get
3: them to bloom? Mm-hmm. Well, it's quite not time. I don't think I've seen them blooming yet. Yeah,
2: I'm trying to think. I've got a few patches here and there. I in hadn't the seen them and, bloom
4: yet either. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. seen mine.
3: Now so what, that's one oh, good thing. Yeah, it's too early. Yeah,
4: and and I, I don't, you know, monkey grass, you know, I don't think you need to do anything special right, to it yeah. to encourage it to bloom, Jerry. I mean, it, it should just bloom on its own.
3: But, you know, maybe if you took a pitchfork and just stabbed the soil.
4: I'd throw a
2: little superphosphate on yeah. it, and just kind of shock it a little bit and make it think that it needs to reproduce.
4: Yeah, and you yeah, you can buy superphosphate in small yeah. quantities, yeah. Uh, which is like an O eighteen O or triple superphosphate, which is O forty five O. Yeah, uh, sprinkle that out there and come back and water it in, and mm-hmm. that will still encourage it to bloom, of course. But one thing I would tell you, though, Mister Jerry, if I was going to cut that monkey grass back whether it's with a hedge clipper, lawnmower, weed eater, or whatever, I would mm-hmm. still wait until spring to do it, early spring before the new growth flushes yeah, out. Good point. I don't think I'd go out there and cut my blanket off of it, you know, before winter sets in, uh, because you can ha- actually have some damage fun. done to, to monkey grass. Um, so, But, you know, the fact is, if it's healthy yeah. and
2: it doesn't feel the need to reproduce, it doesn't need to bloom, okay? plants bloom for they live for one reason to reproduce and and many plants when they're young they won't flower they just don't need to and if they're healthy and growing and not stressed at all they may not just may not want to set flower uh so we can as as the beta said a minute ago we can stimulate them to do that by doing some root damage with a pitchfork you can also uh, give them superphosphate, which makes them shudder a little bit. and mm-hmm. thinks, oh, gosh, I'm going to die. But they're not. It doesn't hurt them. But it stimulates that flower production. So uh, I, I'd, do, I'd do that. I'd, I'd stab at some with a pitchfork around them and then throw a little superphosphate, water it in, and I believe you'll get those little suckers mm-hmm. to bloom. It's
5: just, it's, um, it was, how did you call it? I used to have a carport, and I made a garage out of it. And then, if I poured a driveway next to it, I left a, a one-foot, you know, gap between oh. the drive, mm-hmm. old slab. The perfect place. I didn't want water running into the garage.
6: Right. Yeah.
2: And you might check, and you know, since since you've put a new slab down there, you might check your pH also. Okay. Uh, Talk
4: about the concrete and the yeah, slide.
2: you your pH might be a little high. Um and I'd like to see it, you know, under 7, so you just might check it. You know, if you're going to a garden center, dig up about a coffee can full and, and from a couple of places, and if you're going to Dam West or Palladio's, wherever, um, most of them can have, have a pH meter. They can check it for you in just a matter of minutes uh, and see where your pH is. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I can, I
5: can get some dirt, but I for one area, I can't even get to even see the dirt. Yeah,
4: right. <laughs> it's that <laughs> so no, it's, it's healthy. Yeah, yeah but it, it still should bloom. And, I, and do what they said, Jerry. Poke the holes out there. Uh, use the superphosphate or the triple superphosphate or rock phosphate. Uh, and that will also encourage it to bloom. Okay. All right, buddy. All right,
3: Jerry. Thanks for giving us a call. Hey, Jerry.
4: You still there? Nope. nope. Jerry's gone. Jerry's happy, gone. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Yeah. Right. Happy 4th.
3: Yeah, and then call us back and let us know how it worked. Um, uh, you know, it, do. You, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, baby. Go ahead, dude.
2: When Dennis says baby, I never know who he's talking <laughs> to. He <Right. laughs> <laughs> calls everybody baby. <laughs> In this case, it was Miss Veda.
3: Um, okay, let's think that the spikes of the flowers aren't, haven't been developed yet because I'm wondering if he, um, We'd eat them off. Well,
2: if it were too late in the season, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it doesn't sound like it. Oh, good. Yeah. Good, good. I think he's just, uh, um, of course, we're not there, so we can't see how much sunlight it's mm-hmm. getting and that sort of thing, but it's, you know, I think it's just, in uh, fact, that it's healthy and growing, it's happy. Yeah,
3: exactly. With gardening questions, you know, give us a call, 260-5926. Mm-hmm.
4: I had a, um, talking to a gentleman yesterday, and of course, you know, a lot of times our landscapes are, at some point in our life, dependent on our neighbors not cutting trees down, right? Right, yes. Um, he, uh, oh. he came in, uh, he had a landscaper come out, and they planted these beautiful anise mm-hmm. uh, up against a fence in, in a whole row. In fact, he showed me beautiful. the picture yesterday. Beautiful anise. Yeah. Well, the neighbor right behind the fence there takes the tree down. takes these massive oh, oak trees oh, down. Wow! Um, so this thing went from beautiful shaded bed to full blazing sun. It happened to me. And he yeah. came in yesterday and he said, um, "Kenny, do you have any idea what's wrong with my knees?" Mm-hmm. So he showed me this picture, and they're you know they're still healthy and growing, but they're as yellow as that legal pad over there. And I said, "Well." I said, you said these were a niece. And he said, yes. I said, well, why did you put a niece in full sun? Uh, he went, oh. Uh, <laughs> <I> <laughs> it, it used to be in full first. sun? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a matter. And so he, you know, he wanted to feed them. And I said, mm-hmm. absolutely, you can feed them. And that will keep them strong and healthy as possible. It could even green them up a little bit. And I said, You know, don't feel too bad because there are some new anise out there called Florida Sunshine that is perfectly yellow. (laughs) So if somebody asks you, you know, what's wrong with your anise? say absolutely nothing. It's that new variety called Florida Sunshine. (laughs) Are they going to
3: adapt?
4: We'll see. That's what I told him. I said, uh, you know, now, you know, they're out there where they don't want to be. They're never going to be as prolific as they could be. And you could always have that washed out look, you know, with that full blazing sun on them now. Um But I, st- I still think they'll make it, honestly. Mm-hmm. They just won't be that dark green that they used to be. Then Very
3: yeah, then they'll be stressed.
4: They will be. Probably and bloom
3: better. Yeah, get <laughs> definitely beautiful <laughs> but, but blooms <laughs> the first year. But it just That's made me point. think.
4: I mean, you know, this happens all yeah, the does. time. Well, you
3: said it happened to your yard. Yeah, my
2: neighbors cut took down all their healthy trees in the front yard, Other which healthy. killed a... A, a large, uh, big-leaf magnolia that I had because mm. it had leafed out, and they took them down in the middle of the summer, uh. and it just fried all the foliage. Sure off did. Of them. It sprouted the next spring but just couldn't make it and and died. Well, and it's cost... I, it's probably cost me a couple thousand dollars in replacing mm-hmm. putting in different wow. plants mm-hmm. because it was all built as a shade garden plus labor right oh that's and i worst. don't know something in my neighborhood people are taking trees down like a son i of was a gun. about
3: to ask why why well they
2: i don't know they just i guess wanted grass but uh, <laughs> here in just the last couple of uh, weeks there have been several houses and they're taken down. In. in fact the guy across the street street and over one, took down a bunch, which is letting more sunlight in the morning in on my grass. So mm-hmm. I think maybe it's going to get thicker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, there's <laughs> one positive.
3: I know I'm in houses where either they wish the neighbor didn't have that big shade tree because uh, they can't grow anything, or... They cut, cut the big tree, tree, down. tree
4: down after they've got spent years working on their shade garden. You can't ever I make think, gardeners happy. No.
3: <laughs> Something like a big tree, I almost think you kind of got to weigh out the environmental issue and maybe not the aesthetic issue and leave it. Yeah, well, maybe. We'll be right back.
0: Now, back to Mid-South Gardening. Powered by Palladio Home and Garden. On the Mighty 990 and 1079 FM KWAM.
3: Good morning. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back. Give us a call. 260-5926. You can watch us Facebook Live. Uh, We have a podcast. You can check us out on that. Mm -hmm. I'm Veda with Palladio. Kenneth with Dan West. And then, you know, I keep we say uh, Jim that does a Facebook page, but it never because not everyone knows you and you do so you have so much more experience. So I can't figure the title Jim. And not the recliner Mr. Gardner. Grumpy. Well,
2: I've been called a lot of things, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> some yeah. of them we can't repeat on this. Title. Like a lot of them we can't repeat on this station. Yeah. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but Jim, so, what's the name of the... Uh, it
4: is now t- titled Mid-South Gardening. That's it. Mid-South Gardening. Yep. So I can go to we Facebook sh- and, and text or or, or go to search, search for yeah. Mid-South, Mid-South Gardening. South Gardening. And it should bring it up, yeah. And it is a, I'm telling you, I'll look at that yeah, quite We crossed,
2: crossed 6,500 members um, just Fantastic. this week. Fantastic. So uh, we had, one morning, I just popped it up, and there were 66 new requests. And mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> it happen? seems like, I
4: mean, every day I see, you know, loads of people sending pictures, and they're yeah. questions, and they're, you know, taking pictures of what's wrong with mm-hmm. their place. And,
2: and, and the good thing is, now we've got a, a number. I, of people who are excellent gardeners, you know, that, so are, not, that are real she, garden ex- yeah. experts. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to try to answer every single question, mm-hmm. which is good for me because, you know. I, yeah,
3: I noticed a few that, that are very good. Yeah, I, well. I usually
2: don't answer them for at least, you know, six or eight hours to let mm-hmm. other people chime in. If they don't, you know, if they're doing a search or trying to find out what something is, then I'll go in and and. You know, and, and do an answer. Uh, and but. then,
4: what about uh, the files? You know, if people want to see, yeah, we our have, information all, on we have the, the
2: files. And, and uh, when it starts cooling off, I'll start working on some of those again uh, for winter. Uh, but it's we have things like uh, best varieties for peaches, pears, plums, grapes, muscadines, right. things like that. We have um, uh, things like uh, deer uh, plants that are deer resistant, poisonous plants. So it's a nice long um, categories. Yeah, um, lots of different stuff to, for just good information. I'm telling you. And we'll is. be adding more to that. We're gonna, I'm going to do some stuff with labels. Um, you know, like, For instance, if you have mealy bugs, what do you get? And then we're going to give you a list of um, of products, Mm -hmm. uh, chemicals, and some of the companies that make these so that you know what to look for um so you know I mean your home I mean your personal little buying guide yes, you know yeah uh uh-huh, you know because if you go out there on the internet you know you'll get all kinds of answers and once in a while there'll be a correct one so <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. so um you know you, it's amazing you, you get so many people I mean so many people want to use dawn detergent on, you know they want to go under their counter and find something to spray mm-hmm. for their bugs old Jerry Baker
6: y- you right know, you know approach.
2: and detergents <laughs> are the worst thing soaps are okay if you have a true soap that's not going to hurt your plant but detergents will strip that waxy coating off the cuticle layer Mm -hmm. Uh, it does nasty stuff to your soil all the universities say don't use it for anything, yeah. horticulture, but people just want to, they feel like, you know, put some dawn soap in there. It won't hurt ducks. Let's put it in yeah. there. Right. You know? Yeah. Right.
3: So. Well, we'll take your gardening questions, 2605926. If you want to know how to plant a tree, what type of tree to put in. You've got something on your plants that look Mm fungusy. How do you plant something? All those kind of questions, too. Fungusy. I I just want to let people know you don't have to be um, a expert. No, you can call and say fungusy. That's
2: the whole reason that we have the website and we have this program is to help people that that want to be excellent gardeners Mm -hmm. but just don't know where to turn.
3: Because if I had someone ask me, when you buy plants, do the roots come with it? (laughs) You know, I can understand, (laughs) (laughs) because I might ask when I go get a computer, something silly. Oh, absolutely. Right. All right, let's go to David. Good morning, David. You're in the Mid-South Garden.
7: Hey, morning. Hey. Uh, Yeah, just to give you a heads up, I'm calling you from out in California. Thank you. Our drought drought out here is scary. Uh, Just yesterday, uh, it was announced that many farmers are going to have their water cut off, Mm. Uh, we're at something like twenty. Uh, it's it's somewhere around twenty five percent of the the rainfall that we should have had, mm. and and so uh, if you're familiar with food prices, a lot of the produce of America comes from the the uh, Central Valley out here in California. No yes, yes, doubt. Yes, they mm. do. Yeah, so I'm just encouraging your listeners put in a garden this year. You know, you might save 50 bucks. you might save a 1000 mm-hmm. but uh, you're going to definitely save money by starting a garden and, this year. And it's a
4: good thing to do anyway. And, David, I had a customer into the garden center just the other day, and they'd been out west. And she was talking about the drought, not only in California, but, you know, that's where so many things are grown, of course, is in, in California. But she was just saying how horrible the drought is, uh, you know, out west, including in California. So, you know, all we can do is hope and pray that y'all start getting some rain out there.
7: I know yeah it's it's enormously scary and what's uh, a bigger problem you know the uh snowpack in the mountains Mm, is is how we really uh you know get our rainfall or not our water we get our water in the central valley it we hope that it'll stick around till may or june or even into you know august and september Mm. there have been years you know where there was snow in the mountains all through the summer and, and into the fall so uh uh, In these last 10 years, uh, sometimes the snow has melted as early as January. Uh, This year, there's virtually nothing up there. Uh, And the the fact is, not only have we not had our rainfall or our snowpack, but... Uh, we're not really expecting any rain until another month or so. Man, Lord. that's so
3: difficult. And I think your advice is really good. Just plant a vegetable garden. You can even plant it in, in your shrub beds and things like that. Yeah, um, like David said, you know, food
4: prices are going up already, you know, and mm-hmm. then if this, you know, comes to fruition where they can't grow Uh, you know, the produce and everything else that they normally grow in the state of California, Mm -hmm. it's a ripple effect across this whole country. I mean,
3: who doesn't want fresh okra, fresh tomatoes, fresh cucumbers, and it's all about the soil. Get your soil right, and you're going to have a gorgeous garden.
4: Well, Dave, you have an open invitation, buddy, to come on into Memphis. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we'll set you up. We get, you know, plenty of rain here, and I'm not trying to rub anything in, but Mm -hmm. you're more than welcome to come here to the Mid-South. And you're up awful early. We really appreciate
2: that. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Hey, uh,
7: just a... you know, for your listeners, since it's July already, what would the what would you recommend they put in? You know, this time of year.
2: Well, right now, you know, you can do uh, like field peas. Uh, they really like that. You can still put in squash because they're going to make in 60, 65 days or so. So, um, it's, the beans um, out there, you yeah, can put those in. A, if you can find young tomato plants, mm-hmm. they're going to be just about producing when we get through right. the heat and it starts to cool down. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things you can put in the garden.
7: Sure. And, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, a friend of mine had a uh, you know, one of those boxes, uh, and she put it on wheels and she didn't have a lot of room in her, her front yard, but she would wheel those, uh, tomatoes around Mm -hmm. to get sun, you know, Mm -hmm. throughout the day, you know, it'd be shady and she just moved that thing around. So, uh, you know, if you've got time on your hands to, you know, give your, your, uh, tomato plants a stroll, (laughs) That might make them
3: stronger because they've got to grow bigger roots (laughs) so they don't fall and wobble on their way to their.
7: Yeah, she had a multitude. It was always, uh, I was amazed at how well she did just by scooting them around. And, uh, Hmm. yeah, so, you know, if you've got people in an apartment or in a, you know, a small yard or whatnot, you know, out here, we've got plenty of yards that have got right. nothing but concrete. Right. And, uh, you know, they've given up on the grass for years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's always surprising what you can do with those little planter boxes.
3: Well. Yeah, vertical gardens when you are low on space. Well, thank you so much for Thanks, the call, Thanks, Dave, David. for the advice, buddy. Thanks for calling us from California, like Jim said, being up really early. Yeah. And, and but
4: that. let me say this real quick, and I know we got a caller, is I do believe right now we've got more people with, backyard gardens and people with raised beds Mm -hmm. growing veggies than we ever have here in the mid-south you know we've always had a you know a lot of that going on but with covid last year Mm -hmm. uh, everyone was doing it and they're to blame for driving the lumber prices up yeah Yeah, (laughs) but but people were at home and they wanted something to do Mm -hmm. and so they started making plots in their backyard like i said whether it's raised beds containers or just a You know, a a tilled up area, people are growing a lot of their own veggies.
3: Maybe we can go over how to do a raised bed in the second, because in the second hour, I mean, when we come back, um, because of all the thoughts about raised beds, I have a lot of questions like, do you till the soil Mm -hmm. before or do you just dump soil in or what kind of wood? How tall should it be? How big should it be? So I think that'll be a few good things. And then Jeneth, oh, Jeneth. Jeneth? Jeneth. That's, that's a, like a that's club to and man, Kenneth. That is exactly what that is. And Jeneth mm-hmm. then going to talk about thought. koi. We yeah, didn't we, get to finish that. I oh. did
2: want to talk about how, you know their
4: age, and that's kind of cool. And then oh Melissa, right. yeah, we, we'll get with her. She's got a question about witches' broom.
3: Yes, we'll be right back.
0: The Mighty 990, 1079 FM, 990 AM. The Mighty 990, 1079 FM, 990 AM. KWAM.
3: Good morning and welcome back to Mid South Garden. Give us a call 2605 926. That's 2605 5926 This is Beta with. Palladio and Jenneth with uh, Ben <laughs> Weston. <laughs> oh, no. Um, let's go to Valisa. Good morning. You're in the garden. Hi. Good
5: morning, y'all.
3: Good morning, young lady.
4: And I see a little note below your name that says something about witch's broom. Yes. I
5: was first found out about it when I saw something looking strange in my rose. It looked like, a, like it was coming up, but it was mm-hmm. looking strange. Just evil, very yeah, mutated.
7: Yeah,
4: yeah, that's that's a good word that for is. it. <laughs> Unfortunately, Valisa, uh man, it's it's a virus. Okay, uh, and it's a virus that's caused or spread typically by a, a you know wind blown mite. Um, but once you see that on your rose, uh, the witch's broom or the rose rosette is the other name. Once you see that, it's typically too late to do anything about it because by the time you and I see it. On the foliage, uh, it's already in the root system, okay? Now, you can go in there and cut it out of there, and you'll still get some blooms on those roses, uh, and you'll think everything is fine, but it's going to come back.
3: You cannot treat it.
4: Yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, there's just no treatment. So eventually, you'll have to dig that rose up uh, and get it out of there. And the sooner the better, because if you don't, it's going to spread to other
3: roses,
2: because it is carried by a windblown mite. And you also, when you, if you use your cutters on that rose, you need to clean them with rubbing alcohol. Dip them in it.
4: Otherwise, you can pass that virus on to other roses. And let me say this also. Let's say if you do go out there this weekend and you dig that rose up and get rid of it, you have to be careful coming back and putting a new rose in that same spot. Because what happens, if you don't get every piece of that root out of the ground and you put your new rose in there... And you and the new rose root touches a part of that old rose root you can get it that mm. way also so wow. you know they say really try not to plant a rose in that same spot for the next two years so it's mm-hmm. uh, it, it is it's it's not good because there again there's no control for it uh, and like Jim was saying, if you don't get it out of there sooner than later, you'd run the risk of it spreading to your other roses
3: mmm. Yeah, so I guess just take it out is the best bet We've pruned it out, pruned it out So the more we pruned it out, the more we spread it, basically So just take it out Depressing Okay, well,
5: thank you What type of mite is this? It seems like a little powerful mite that
1: just can't be destroyed
4: Well, I mean, what happened? I mean, the little, this particular mite is, is blown around, you know, by the wind And that little mite has always been out there But what's happened is so many more people are planting roses now, Uh, especially since, you know, knockout roses and drift roses and all these shrub roses came onto the market. Then everybody wanted a rose. So Mm -hmm. by default, you know, you've got so many more roses out there being planted for people and for all the right reasons. And all of a sudden, you've got so many more mites out there. Yeah, and these mites are, um,
2: you know, mites are not insects. So an insecticide doesn't work on them. You actually have to use a miticide to have a real good effect on them. But even most of the current miticides are not very good at taking care of this particular mite. So, you know, it's, uh, there's nothing for homeowner use anyway. So the best thing to do is as quickly as possible get it out and, uh, and then, you know, Plant something else in there. I have no personally. I have no problem plant if you take
4: one out this year. Replanting the next year, Agreed. I think yeah. you're fairly safe. And let me say this also, Melissa. A lot of times these mite, these wind blown mites. Um, a good practice is to go out there and winter prune your roses if you haven't been doing that uh, in the fall. Uh, anytime late fall, mid to late fall, go out there and cut about a third of the height off of these roses, because typically that's where these mite eggs are overwintering. Uh, and so, okay. you, you know, so potentially, you know, you can get rid of a lot of the potential mite eggs on these roses by just cutting them back about a third mm-hmm. every fall. Okay. I want you, if you will, stay on
2: the line. Um, they're going to pick up the phone in here, and and we're going to give you one of Todd Starn's new book, uh, Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions With a drawl. Okay. Uh, so it's a great book. Okay. It, it really is. So you hang on the line and, uh, and they're gonna, and Alan's gonna talk to you, get your name and address, okay?
3: Okay, thank you. You're welcome to congratulations and we're doing it again the next hour as well. But I have to know the story about Koi and their age.
2: Well, yeah, you know, koi were introduced into the United States back in the 1930s. Uh, that's when we had the first one. So we really don't know how long they can live here. Typical age is probably in the thirty to thirty-five year range. Uh, but that's a long, long time for a there was a koi died in 1987. So you can actually, like, like a tree has rings, you can tell how old a tree is. Well, gill play, um, scales have the same thing. So you can count the rings in a scale and find out how old the fish is. Well, know that there was one that died in 1987 that was verified at 227 years old. Good. The grandfather, Coy, died about 10 years earlier, and he was documented at 212 years old. So in Japan, they can live quite long times. Now, these weren't terribly big fish either. These were just very old fish. Um, But probably here, 30, 35 years is about normal.
4: Not a bad investment.
2: Yeah. Now, a couple of things you want to remember about koi is they they can be jumpers, particularly when you first put them into a pond. (laughs) Really? Yeah, because if they're coming out of a pond that's deep, they don't understand shallow. And, (laughs) and, And a lot of times, you know, for the first couple of days, I always like to keep my pond covered. <laughs> so that they bounce back in. That is um, amazing. Yeah. So anyway, but normally after you get past a week or so, then they'll, they settle, down, they and, settle and, down and
4: they know where they are,
2: right? Can you
3: imagine having a fish that it would be an inheritance down to your granddaughter if great it lived, yeah, great grandchildren, yeah. It great it grandchildren, grand, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, poor fish. That's amazing. And what the other key that you were talking about is, I hear a lot. Do fish grow to the size of their tank?
2: Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have at least four feet of water depth in a pond, you're not going to get a big, heavy fish. They're going to, but, but you know, not a lot of people don't want a big, heavy fish. Exactly. That's though, right. You know, right. Yeah. That's right. I don't want them getting that big yeah. in my pond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the reasons is because a big fish uses a lot of oxygen, and at night, if you're If you're pressing the limit on how many fish you can have in there, remember plants take oxygen out of the water at night. They reverse. They breathe just Mm -hmm. like animals do. So if you've got first thing in the morning, your fish are at the surface, you Mm -hmm. know, looking Mm -hmm. like, I'm hungry, gulping. They're actually gulping air because there's not enough air in that water wow. so you need to increase either your turbulence so that you get better gaseous exchange or remove some of the plants or remove some of the fish uh, because yeah. you're really close what can happen particularly is if we get a really heavy downpour a lot of cold water falls, and you can get a pond to turn over it yeah will, and you'll yeah, get go wow. anaerobic and all your big fish die
3: i would rather take some fish out because the other things you have to have as right. well All right, we'll be back. We've got a second hour. Call us 260-5926.
0: The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder.
3: Good morning. Good morning, and welcome to the second hour of Mid South Gardening. I'm Veda with Palladio, Kenneth with Dan West, and Jim Crowder, who has multi experience and talented in the Mid South, and does the fantastic Mid South Gardening page. What
2: she's trying to say is, I've had a hard time holding a job
4: anywhere. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, there could be that. (laughs) It
4: could be that. But if you want to give us a call, guys, 260 5926. 260 5926. And you can always go to Facebook Live, uh, Mid South Gardening. There we are, the Mighty 990.
3: And uh, Jim, the book, tell us about
4: the book the
2: book the, book also. the biscuit yeah. book during uh, this <laughs> hour we're going to give away another copy of uh, todd starr's new book our daily biscuits biscuit devotions with a draw that's a <laughs> great book though yeah, yeah. it's got yeah th- it's got some uh, some excellent recipes in here good devotion so too, all
3: those but, tomatoes you know. y'all are going for the great tomato contest you can Try them out on biscuits and gravy in the morning Right Yeah,
4: and we do have some guests coming in next weekend um, uh, From the Memphis Area Master Gardeners uh, uh, Talking about the Great Tomato Contest Which is coming up, I think, on July the 17th 17th, yeah Uh, And it's going to be a lot of fun People, Mm -hmm. you know, grow You know, people are passionate about tomatoes Let's just start there yeah, and there's so, so many brag and rights attached to tomatoes, you know, you and your neighbors mm-hmm. um, who can grow the best tomato, the perfect tomato, you know. Well, and you
3: know, sugars and things like that in your plants help uh, make the taste. And so you can have really good organic soil, use a lot of organic stuff to get the sugars and all that work in microorganisms. And then that puts the bricks, B-R-I-X, yeah. in the plant. Yeah. And then, so it's got more sugars, and so it tastes delicious. Well, but not, you can't, can't, Jim, can you do a tablespoon of sugar around your plants well, for a benefit? Uh, I yeah, absolutely.
2: It, yeah. sugar, sugar Yeah, molasses, really,
3: that's right. Will
2: really kick in your, your microbes. Yeah. yeah. yeah now, so it does draw ants, so, you yeah. know. That, and uncles. An yeah. And one thing that I've seen um,
4: <laughs> quite a bit of, you know, this year, uh, and even this, this past week, is they old blossom in right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you start doing everything, you know, you're doing everything right, you know, you yeah. think. And you start getting these beautiful tomatoes uh, on, on the tomato plant, of course. And then the bottom of the tomato starts to rot on you. And you're like, Man, what, why now, yeah. you know? But for Blossom and Rot, guys, a couple of things going on. One is uh, it probably irregular watering. In fact, I was mm-hmm. talking to a gentleman just the other day. He was growing tomatoes in five-gallon pots, and a lot of mm-hmm. people do that. Uh, it could be a little more challenging growing them in a smaller pot like that than actually in the ground or in yeah, a raised bed. You
3: can't let that pot really get dry.
4: Right. That's exactly right. So right. we talked about the watering. Try to keep mm-hmm. your tomatoes at a constant moisture as best you can. And then, of course, a lack of calcium. Um You know, so there's calcium nitrate and there's calcium chloride. Uh, The calcium chloride typically is liquid that you can dilute and spray or pour. Calcium nitrate being a granular product, you just sprinkle around the tomato and water in. Come back Mm -hmm. two weeks later and do it again. And they both of those do a really good job on blossom end rot. So if you are starting to get that, and a lot of people are, uh, either one of those products are perfect for that problem.
3: All righty. You know what? Who we got? Jamie, the Master Gardener with the Tomato Contest. Good morning, Jamie. You're in the garden.
1: Good morning. Hey, Jamie. Good, Good morning there. to you, buddy. Look, we're looking forward to coming to seeing you all next week.
4: Next weekend. Now, I don't know uh, who's coming. I know Jamie, you'll be here. Maybe Jan, your wife, and it, you, Jenny from the Memphis Area Master Gardeners? Uh,
1: Jenny and uh, Deborah.
4: Okay, Jenny and Deborah. Uh, we,
1: yeah, well, let's have a whole bunch of folks.
4: Well, that'd be fun because then we can really get people <laughs> geared up and fired up about getting their tomatoes together and bringing them down to the tomato contest mm-hmm. where yours truly and Jim over here. And Jim said, you know, Veda got voted off the island. Yeah, but
3: so voted off. We're going to be some of the judges.
4: <laughs> uh, and I can't wait because I love tomatoes. I'm telling you.
1: Anyway, I, but one of the thing I want to get across to everybody, this is just not for master gardeners. This is for anybody Could who grows a tomato on the back deck of your yard or mm-hmm. on the porch, whatever. You or want by do, accident.
3: You yeah. <laughs> and in this case, <laughs> it, it,
2: it, sometimes <laughs> it, it, size matters, but sometimes it, it doesn't. Right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: really. So anyway, this is for everybody. It's within our viewing area. We want them to all come out and. And the bring your tomatoes. Maybe naughty looking, but that's all right. Yeah. Bring it on. Right. Down. I yeah, was going to... S- up the rest of
3: them. Do y'all still have the, uh, the ugliest tomato? tomato? Or I think you turned it into a different name. No,
1: no, no, no. no. disadvantaged. We don't have the disadvantaged anymore. No, oh. <laughs> the disadvantaged. <'Cause> <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have ugly tomatoes. We have
3: right. disadvantaged. Oh, well, they're funny. harder to eat anyway.
4: <laughs> well, Jamie, we love you to death, buddy. And we'll see you next weekend up here, man.
3: Y'all be safe and thank you very much. You're before, welcome. Jamie. Thank you,
4: thank you, buddy. And we did have a text. Uh, Deborah Edwards texted in, and she said, "When does the window close for fertilizing hydrangea and azaleas planted in early spring? They have been fertilized once. Um,
3: I wonder with what, if she can. But but add she that, let me but say. But
4: she said, I would also like to encourage as much growth as possible without risking winter damage. Yeah. Great question. I mean, mm-hmm. she's so she's got hydrangeas and azaleas that were planted this spring. She's fed them just one time. You absolutely can go out there and feed these hydrangeas and these uh, azaleas. Now, you know whether it's a synthetic fertilizer like uh, Grower Special, Osmocote, uh Start and Grow. Mm-hmm. All of those are great fertilizers.
3: Hollytone for the azaleas. Or you can go color.
4: organic with mm-hmm. Milorganite, Hollytone, Plant Tone. Any of those. So, but most definitely, you can still feed them. Mm-hmm. Now, what I would be a little afraid of. And I I say this because you can still use it. It's something like, say, a triple 13. But but my (laughs) point, though, is if you use something like that, you better be extremely careful Mm -hmm. because it can flat out burn your plants up. In fact, Azalea food can burn Azaleas up if you don't stay out around the drip line of your Azaleas, right? Well, one
3: of my big things about not liking uh, using synthetics is because I'm not good with math.
7: <laughs> well,
3: but so I'm, I would have to figure all this stuff out. And I can just take my organic and just sling and we, it. And we talk about that
4: all the time. <laughs> yeah. but, if, but if you do use something like a Start and Grow or Grower Special or Osmocote.
3: That's much better than the Triple Yeah, because they are
4: slow-release, yeah. you know, quote, non-burning fertilizers. Um but uh Deborah, absolutely you can still feed it. In fact you can even come back, Jim, how much later in, in- Well
2: normally I would tell people around the first
4: of July is the last
2: fertilizing for the season until we get into the fall when we get Mm -hmm. cooler temperatures then you can put in something that's when i like to use the slow release like like um and that sort of thing yeah yeah. you're going to get improved photosynthesis but Mm -hmm. not a lot of growth if any Uh, out of it so that's it's a good thing when you've got good warm soil temperature in the fall so you get some nutrient uptake and it's ready to go next spring when uh, when time comes Um, so what do you
4: watch out for though when feeding in the fall
2: well no no quick release you know because normally our first frost here is around the end of august uh october um if we have a unusually warm spell and you go we go up into December, Which so we do quite often. We have mm-hmm. before we have a really cool spell, if you fertilize late in the season, you can get some new growth to pop. and now that would get burned back in the winter. Now it's not going to kill your plant, but you could lose your first yeah. blooms um so it's probably not a good idea to to use a quick release you know again i like to say july 1st is about the end Mm -hmm. for that but right now you're fine i mean go ahead and and fertilize
3: and then you can always use organic matter to build your soil but
2: also on the first year plant remember you're not going to get a lot of growth out of it right i mean it's it's developing roots and getting established into that so Don't expect it to be, you know, jump a foot tall. Well,
3: that is a good point, because if you have a lot of new growth, you might not be getting the root growth. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, that could be a problem.
4: And we all know the theory, you know, the old sleep. Well, yeah, sleep, creep, leap theory. Mm -hmm. You know, the first year it sleeps uh, as far as the growth. The second year it creeps and then the third year it leaps. Uh, and that's true with some plants.
3: Well, you know? I always uh, thought it had to do with back in the day, we would prepare our soil. And a lot of people would say, wait three years before it gets really good. And that would be the sleep, creep, and leap. But now that we enhance our soil so much more and, and set that soil web and that balance quicker. You get that perfect home we for don't, that root it system. It doesn't take so long mm-hmm. to sleep, creep, and leap. Yep. <laughs> it, well, some plants, yes, but definitely on perennials. So... Um, I forgot the other thing But I think we're going to head to a break And then we've got John and another caller coming on And y'all can call us 260-5926 And the book, we're still doing the book Yes, mm-hmm.
2: yep, yep One lucky caller here during uh, the this hour Is going to get a copy of uh, Todd's new book Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Draw
3: Alright, we're going to head out for just a few And we'll be right back
0: The Mid-South's conservative blowtorch The Mighty 990 KWAM
3: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid South Gardening. Um, Let's go to our caller. Good morning, John. You're in the garden.
1: Oh yeah. Hello.
4: Hey, John. Good morning to you.
1: Good morning. I really like your show every Saturday. Thank Uh, you, sir. uh, My question is, I I, I grow tomatoes every year. Well, I've got uh, I put in my tomato plants about uh, I guess a month and a half months ago, but. My best looking plant, it's about four and a half feet tall, maybe five feet tall, really bushy, a lot of green growth on it, it's got one nice tomato on it, Um, but nothing else, no yellow buds, nothing. Um, My my worst looking plant was about a foot and a half tall, it's got hardly hardly any green growth, it's got two pretty good tomatoes on it. (laughs) But my, my question is is that's the tall my tall best tomato plant why there's no yellow buds on it. well,
3: like what I type do. of fertilizers have you been using or your soil i I, I use I use miracle grow when I do fertilize. yeah, because you might have have so much green and so much stimulation from a faster acting fertilizer that it's not setting as bloom. is it too much nitrogen
4: yeah that's what it, it sounds like yeah.
3: And the other one, like Jim was talking about before, sometimes when they're scraggly and stressed, that's when they produce the best because they're thinking they're dying, so they want to reproduce. What I
4: would do, John, yeah, and I agree with everything you just said, Veda, but there is a water-soluble plant food called blooming and rooting. Uh, It's like a 958-9. And it's got 58% phosphate, uh, but it is a water-soluble. You mix this just like you would miracle Grow. But if anything in the world would encourage this tomato to bloom, it would be something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you, know, you got everything to gain and nothing to lose. Because unless you get some blooms on there and get some pollination going on, you're not mm-hmm. going to get any tomatoes. And so, then the
3: other one, I may b- boost up the organic matter, like add some compost, add that... Um, what yeah compost would be the best a tomato tone you know we've got some of that that'll balance and add minerals minerals are very important to your plants too so maybe check that out so change the miracle grow to the one kenneth the blooming was and rooting. Re- yeah anything that's going to do blooming and rooting oh. definitely and then the other one give it some more things to create roots too you really don't want to bump up the blooming do you do you don't jim Kenneth, do we still need to use the same one, or does he need to go with something that builds more nitrogen?
2: Well, I think probably, you know, I'd just use the same thing. And um, mm-hmm. the reason that it's, it blooms more is because it's stressed, and that's what we're trying to do with your healthy one, is stress it a little bit with a high dose okay. of phosphorus. So uh, I, I think you, you could use a, use it on. On on mm-hmm. all of them. In so fact, I use thoughts. it on any of the vegetables. Yeah. And, and John,
4: last question: On the tomatoes, are you getting enough sun for those tomatoes?
1: Enough enough what?
4: Are they in enough sunlight? Um, yeah, they um, uh, they
1: don't get a full day, but they probably get about a good six hours. Yeah, oh, that's, so that's plenty. plenty. Yeah. yeah. I and
4: mean, if you're getting half a day sun, you can still grow are great they, tomatoes. Is it
3: morning sun or afternoon sun? It's afternoon. It's kind of
1: yeah. they're in the shade in the morning.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. at least it's getting some shade. Yeah. yeah.
4: And then, and then the last thing, um, you know, and like Veda and Jim were just saying, John, anytime you're planting tomatoes, I mean, that's the one vegetable that I like to spend just a little more extra or a little extra time with the soil prep. You know, I want to add some good compost to that bed every year or to that container. Mm-hmm. I want to add some uh, lime to it every year. And then I want to add, of course, a good fertilizer that's not so high in nitrogen, where you get all this green growth and really no bloom. But I really think uh, either something like big bloom, which is a liquid plant food, or that blooming and rooting, anything high in that middle number I think will help you.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try that and I'll be
3: frustrated, That sounds you know? great, John And report back to us and let us know how How that went Oh, he can thank me later Yeah, yeah <laughs> How about, tomato. we wanted to quickly touch Let's see, we want to talk about the raised beds uh, Pachysandra Or a couple of things But the raised beds And I think the most question I get is What type of soil and what do I put around it So it doesn't, t- to hold it up
4: Yeah, and you're right, and It all starts with the soil. You know, I never Mm -hmm. will never will forget this that poster that we talked about Mm -hmm. twenty years ago. That life it says life doesn't start with the seed; it starts with the soil. Mm -hmm. You know, and it had this uh, guy's hands holding a handful of soil. Yeah,
3: back to nature blend. I (laughs) think was that. Yeah, and
4: people don't realize. I mean, there's dirt out there, and then there's good rich soil. Mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, but in a raised bed, a lot of people will start with just a bulk
3: soil yeah exactly you You have to garden mix whatever
4: okay now you can still buy bagged garden soil and you know Mm -hmm. fill them up with that
3: that's pretty expensive yeah but you but
4: you still want to amend that soil then you Mm -hmm. come in there with your good compost products and there's so many wonderful compost products on the market now whether it's the old-fashioned cow manure uh chicken manure whether it's the cotton burr Mm -hmm. compost which is cotton burrs that are broken down into good compost that is you know what you love and use all the time is the cotton burr blend You know, which has got the alfalfa meal, the cow manure, and the humic acid all added mm-hmm. to
6: it.
3: Or just flat-out worm casting. Yes. That's a miracle fertilizer yes. to me. So,
4: but you want to add compost. And this is not only to a new raised bed. These are to existing beds mm-hmm. also. I try to do this every right. year. Add that compost in there. Typically add some lime to keep the pH up where it, where it needs to be. And then the wonderful fertilizer products that are mm-hmm. out there now.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So... You could use cinder blocks. That might not be aesthetically pleasing. But a lot of
4: people do. But they,
3: yeah. I mean, it is a vegetable garden, and uh, you can even plant the holes in the cinder blocks too. <laughs> Put some herbs. You could just get. You could just have more planting space that way. Um, and then there was. Isn't there a new wood that doesn't have? A c- Jim, well, the you landscape know, this timbers is because everybody now. talks about the arsenic, that they don't want it to leach from the wood into the soil. Yeah, they don't
2: use arsenic anymore. Right. But yeah. even when they did, it wasn't an issue. Yeah. yeah, Arsenic doesn't move well out of the roots of plants, mm-hmm. so it, it really wasn't an issue, but everybody thought it was. Yeah. The, th- the thing about arsenic is there's two types. There's organic arsenic and there's inorganic arsenic. Uh, one will kill you, one won't. Okay, there's arsenic in everything that you eat, pretty much. But it's it's an extremely small amount. Um,
4: So, uh, And and I've told you the story about liquid seaweed. You know, that's a wonderful, water-soluble plant food. Liquid Mm -hmm. seaweed, we've used it forever. Yeah. Well, the EPA decided that, well, liquid seaweed's got arsenic in it, okay? So they took the vegetable label off of liquid seaweed.
3: That's Uh, crazy.
4: And because it had natural mm-hmm. arsenic in it okay yeah. so i called the people with liquid seaweed and i said what happened to y'all's label and that's what you know she explained it to me and i said well hold on so you're telling me for the last hundred years we could use seaweed on vegetables and now someone's saying that we can't and they said well no we're not saying you can't we're just saying we can't put it on the label anymore
3: In seaweed country they yeah. harvest it and put it purposely in their vegetable garden places do. like that that's where we get stuck I mean, you don't know sometimes because you're thinking if EPA regulates the natural seaweed, then what are they not, what are they (laughs) letting you get away with? But, I mean, it's just
4: something that, you know, like Jim was just saying, there's arsenic in a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of stuff, and there's some that aren't. It's just bad science. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's some that's good and some that's bad. Well,
3: it probably wasn't even uh, thought of through the process of science. Yeah, Somebody says, look, there's a little bit of arsenic on this label, and then all of a sudden it turns into yeah, you're going to die. you know, die. it's like with
2: millorganite, There was such a thing about, oh, mm-hmm. it's got heavy metals in it. Well, all fertilizer, yeah. every yeah. bit of fertilizer that you can buy on anything, in any market, in any bag, anything, mm-hmm. has heavy metals in it. Okay. Yeah. For you to exceed the amount right now that the EPA says is allowable for in your soil, you would have to remove about a foot of your soil and replace it with a foot of millorganite. Okay? Oh, it's
3: to make the arsenic to, to high make, enough to get do it issues. up
2: high or enough the to be metals, an issue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just the you know the, it's just unrealistic. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it's it's like so many things that you, you you'll see you know, people like to go to the to the MSDS sheets and they'll see something like toxic to aquatic animals. Mm-hmm. All right, well, this what's happening is they're taking these chemicals and pouring them directly into an aquarium until it what? dies. Okay, this is not like pouring it into a stream where it gets diluted. It's not giving it the
4: what you would get initially you know so That's you're the bottom line is you said a lot of these things that they say are taboo are really not so they're bad they're giving them doses that would never come in contact
2: yeah with. not
3: a natural condition exactly. they're trying to do something to make it be worse for bad us science. all right we're going to be right back call us two six zero five nine two six.
0: Now, back to Mid-South Gardening Powered by Palladio Home and Garden On the Mighty 990 and 1079 FM KWAM
3: Good morning, good morning Welcome back to Mid-South Gardens I want to thank all of our callers this morning Great, fantastic questions If you want us to talk about something That you would like to hear about Just give us a call You can leave a message with Alan, our producer or he'll put it up on the board. and uh, Thank all of
2: our listeners, too. We had a number of people from California listening in this morning. We yeah. do appreciate y'all getting up really early and yeah. uh,
3: and listening. That's and if you awesome.
7: want
4: to give us a call, guys, 260 260 And then, of course, you can go to the Mighty 990 mm-hmm. Facebook page and shoot us a text like a lot of people do. They'll do it. Um, yeah, that way they don't have to pick show. up the phone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and other ground covers, guys, I've seen a lot of, uh, and you know, let me me back up ground covers truly serve a purpose. Okay. Uh, there's so many situations where you just need something to grow there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't, you're not looking for a tree or a shrub, but you, you want something other than dirt. Okay. And a lot of times we'll see this, especially in shaded environments, it seems like, whether it's under trees or in front of hedges or whatever. But I guess, I mean, I've seen a lot of damage on ground covers in general uh, this year. And I don't know if that's because of the horrible winter that we went through, Mm -hmm. uh, because of the very, you know, cool and wet spring that we went through, uh, where we're seeing a lot of fungal activity out there. Uh, But I do believe there are some ground covers that are maybe easier to grow than others. You know, dwarf mondo, hard to kill. Monkey grass? Almost hard to, you know, impossible to kill. I
3: love pachysandra, but I'm always scared to plant it if I was planting for someone else because it seems like. I mean, even English I see holes in it all. You know, the time. English ivy.
4: But I, I, I guess what we're getting at is if you are going to grow ground covers, and I love pachysandra. it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite ground covers. If you see a nice pachysandra bed, particularly if it's a, there's a cultivar called Green Sheen.
2: Yes. It's yeah, it's shiny. It's just it's outstanding if you can get it right.
4: But um, you know, I guess. It, if you've got a thick stand of any ground cover, whether it's Vinca minor, Asiatic jasmine, pachysandra, uh, English ivy, any of those, but especially the bigger leaf, the English mm-hmm. ivy and the pachysandra, it seems like I've seen more fungal activity in those uh, this year than I have other ground covers.
3: Well, I'm so nervous about it that, well... We actually changed somebody's bed out from Pachysandra to that sedum that's really small that looks like the Pachysandra that I always get from Mr. Paul. And unfortunately, I never remember the proper name. Mm
4: -hmm. But you're saying but sedums, you might...
3: There's one that looks similar to Pachysandra. I think that some people call it the Carol Reese Pachysandra because she loved it so much. Um, But But I've had good... And then also... If you want paxander going in the sun, then that's when I used that sedum also. Well, I was going to say, so what
4: are the do's and don'ts of these ground covers? I mean...
3: They're all different, aren't I they? I mean, well, one yeah. thing
4: is, I think one of the don'ts is, especially when it comes to irrigation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you we all have to water things, don't get me wrong, and we surely have to water when it gets really hot and dry in the summertime, but I've seen so much damage done to ground covers in particular because of excessive moisture.
3: So probably they're starting their lawn irrigation it's getting their english ivy but the lawn they're probably doing it every couple of days and the english ivy could go without it until we start getting into summer and
4: then then the ph factor you know Mm -hmm. pachysandra loves a very acidic soil where english ivy likes more of an alkaline soil um so i mean there are i think if you take your time and do a little research uh, prep the soil like we always talk about good drainage Uh, And make sure that these irrigation systems, these zones are set like they should be. They're not getting too dry. Everything's getting watered, (laughs) but they're not staying sloppy wet out there. Uh, When it starts to get hot, you know, when it gets hot and humid, you know, it's just a breeding ground for different fungus.
3: Yeah, because you can get your irrigation heads adjusted uh, because you can make them, even if they're spraying circles, you can actually make them where they spray halfway You know, so maybe in the spring and before it gets really hot, adjust that head, and then maybe in the summer, it's just a little screw on top. But but the reason I'm screwdriver. No, I
4: agree. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is there again. I mean, ground covers definitely serve a purpose. Uh, and typically, you know, you would think that ground covers would be extremely easy to grow, yeah, which usually, the, but usually they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's once you get them in the ground, uh, you know, it's just that it's this little small things I think that make a big difference as far as the performance Man, of these ground covers. I know
3: the best ground cover ever weeds. <laughs> they're going to just yeah, grow Yeah, but if you grow, want them
2: to grow there, chances are they won't. This exactly is
3: so <laughs> true. <laughs> you know,
2: one of the things is, if you're not going to do the soil prep, use a ground cover that runs across the top of the ground, okay? Use ivy, use asiatic, use asiatic jasmine, vinca minor. Yeah. Those don't care about the quality of your soil. They're yeah. going to take off, and if you're fertilizing them, they're just going to run everywhere, Yeah. Okay. If you're going to do Pachysandra or Juga or any of these that need to go underground, then you need to really loosen that soil and do some soil prep before you go, you know, planting 500 pieces. of Right. Because if you don't, it's just going to sit there and it isn't going to do anything. Right. Mm. And,
3: you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you prep the entire area, make it, a, make it a big bed and put lots of soil in there and work it, work it. It, you just prep, prep where you're planting Mm-mm. Yeah, because it'll get established there And then be able to venture out
4: And if you happen to start getting a fungus uh, pathogen In your ground cover And we've seen a lot of it in uh, Ajuga this year Pachysandra and uh, evening mesh Lots of it uh, There are some really good fungicides That you can go out there And of course spray the uh, beds down Come back 10 days, 2 weeks later and Make sure you come back and spray again uh, and a lot of times you'll arrest that that pathogen, this cause and the problem, but don't wait because I've seen there again so many pictures mm-hmm. this year, uh, and I know weather has a lot to do with that. Uh, where they had these beautiful ground cover beds, and half of it is gone. Yeah. You well, know?
3: Yeah. Think about it. Disease, fungus, and all that is always there. Right. It's always in the environment, in the soil, or maybe on the plant. But it lays and waits. When the
4: conditions are right. It
3: lays and waits, and then it waits. Oh. I'm overwatered. I'm going to start taking over your plant and eradicating it because now it's not a viable plant. So, uh, in this case, overwatering stressed the plant and enabled the fungus to kick in. you
2: know, And it's almost impossible to get all of the leaf litter and that sort of thing that falls mm-hmm. down into our ground cover. Yeah. So you've got lots of, over the course of years, you've got lots of decomposing organic matter that supports fungal problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I'm a firm believer in Memphis that if you've got plants that you know are prone to it, zoysia in wet areas, um, English ivy where it's damp, the, if you're seeing nutgrass pop up in there, that tells you you got a lot of water running through there. I'd use something like uh, Eagle Fungicide F-stop, F-Stop, something like that. Do it twice a year. Do it in the fall and do it in the spring, and it will save you so much grief.
4: Yeah, and you can buy F-Stop in a granulated version or even the ready-to-spray, the yeah. liquid that you just mm-hmm. hooked to your hose. That microbutanol is a great product. Yeah, and I like to
2: use that particularly like in boxwoods to open them up, spray down on the inside, spray the stems, spray the ground up underneath them. Uh, So you're saying be proactive, Be proactive if you know that you've had a problem in the past.
3: Yeah, or just cut your water back. But also, I have uh, read that applying humic acid helps a lot, and that would just be because it was putting more carbon in. It might help compost that mat that falls into the ivy. The humic acid, you know, with the carbon in the soil, of course, releases fertilizers and makes it stronger. But you still had to do a fungicide. I mean, humic acid yeah. is definitely
4: one of the building blocks mm-hmm. of any form of life in the soil, okay? You can buy it in, uh, in bags that you put out dry, and you can buy it in the liquid version there again that you mix, or you can buy it in the ready-to-spray. It's, it's available in all those different ways. But I still love humic acid also. I was talking to a gentleman yesterday that had a zoysia lawn, and uh, he keeps it cut high, he keeps it watered, kept, keeps it fed, but he had a good bit of thatch buildup. up. Yeah. Uh, in this zoysia lawn, okay? And you could peel it back. He could get on his hands and knees and peel this zoysia back and get your fingers and kind of pull out that thatch. And I was like, get this humic acid. Humic acid, one of the old names for it was Mm de-thatch, okay? Uh, You can spray this stuff in your lawn or put it out dry and water it in, and it does a wonderful job of dethatching your lawn, especially zoysia lawns, because they typically, mm-hmm. they're again, are so thick and they hold that thatch in place. Uh, without getting a thatching rake or yeah. these things that you hook to the lawnmower <laughs> blades that rip up everything, it's just a it's a really good product. And a lot of people don't even have never heard of the word humic acid. So when
3: it breaks down the thatch, that turns into fertilizer. Oh, it's a and great. Makes- Yep. Yeah. I and mean, you almost don't have to buy fertilizer if you can time all that properly.
4: Humic acid, Jim. I Ma,
2: mean, super product. Yeah. Now, on lawns, I think you still need to fertilizer. Well, okay. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's not, not, a,
3: it's not mm-hmm. a fertilizer. Right. 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 Just to um, help along.
2: Yeah. Humic yeah. acid is what's left after everything has been used out of it. Right. Yeah. But the carbon does a lot of good, particularly in because it turns the surface of your soil black. Uh, we've talked about this. But because it's black, it picks up heat and holds it make your microbes start earlier in the season so you actually have your grass greener early in the season and it will stay greener longer into the fall and you're
3: absolutely right with that God, i've experienced yep. it jim that's fantastic so you can get that liquid or you can get it granule yep. and i have always i've applied it yearly mm-hmm. to different areas and definitely the lawn just to keep just to keep the cycle of your soil going because I mean, lawns, zoysia lawns or lawns are not natural. Hey, healthy soil, ha- healthy soil, healthy yeah. lawns. Yeah, because you do the good soil prep for your shrubs and all, and you're doing it so the roots can take hold. And same with your lawn. You want your? Are you throwing stuff at me? No. I know you were. Did you make it? Missed it. Missed the old garbage I, can for first ever. I think in 20 years of doing these show together, you have missed it. See, I lost my thought because you did that, so I thought I would share. Jim, well, yeah. just say it, Jim. She just, just say it. Say so what? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm ignoring you all again, again. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> okay, y'all. We're going to take a break. and then Give it, us a call. We're yes. going to have
2: one more book to give away, too. So give, give us a call here, and somebody's going to win it. The number is 260-5926.
0: The, the Mighty Black. 990, KWAM, and Mighty990.com.
3: Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. We've had great questions today. We appreciate all your calls this morning. And um, we were... Oh, you know, one thing that I had wanted to talk about again was the beneficial or the benefits of having good soil. We did... Um, I had one person do a container in, in our uh, soil that we carry all the time, the Earth Mix. It was a long container and they planted... Um, used the soil and planted sun patients. So then I had them go back and, and and mix like a real light soil, kind kind of like a dead soil that we'd gotten somewhere else, planted them in there, <laughs> and then put them side by side. Um, didn't get water. Didn't mm. get water at all. So the one in the poor soil... And this is not water for like three days. They weren't in four-inch containers. They were in bigger containers. But in three days, we went back. and did this on purpose. The ones in the three days were just crisp, gone, because the soil didn't hold moisture. Right. The others were just beginning to wilt and fertili- or watered them real good and perked up. And they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. The other one we watered just kind of halfway coming up. So that was just a proof in the difference of the soil, whether it was It'd have to be organic to be like that. But whether it was organic or not, it oh. was just holding moisture long enough. Mm-hmm. It, because then I thought, okay, there's no drainage. Maybe this held water And that one's why this is so moist But no, the, the soil did it on its own
4: And Wayne and John, hang on just a second But you're right, I mean, getting a good quality Potting soil, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. you can get a $2 bag Of potting soil
3: Right. Yes, uh, and, indeed. and that's
4: fine for filling a hole in your front yard you know. And that's about it Right. Uh, take the time to get a good quality Potting soil, because you're trying to grow things in containers mm-hmm. And that's not a it, That can be a pretty harsh environment also yeah. But you need a good potting soil to start out with
3: Exactly, okay, let's go to wayne good morning wayne
1: good morning uh
5: we have some uh dwarf yaupon hollies and i'm just wondering what is the latest uh what is the cutoff for shearing those back
3: well those dwarf yaupon hollies are pretty intense mm-hmm. i've sheared them oh i've sheared mine way, to all the in, way to september yeah yeah
4: yeah and, and i don't go in there and cut them in half of course yeah. i'm just shearing them Wayne and I'll do mine probably three or four times a year for where they are I want to keep them manicured but I do it even I do it through the fall yes sir
6: okay thank you all, all right, right you're
3: welcome thanks for the call and let's go to John good morning John you're in the Mid-South Garden
6: morning really enjoying your program this morning thank you so I, had much. A, I had a question about I had a beautiful pyracantha on the west side of our oh, of our house it that was growing up the side of the mm-hmm. of the brick it was trellised about Oh, it was about 15 feet tall, mm-hmm. beautiful blooms in the spring, beautiful berries in the fall, and the, the winter got it this mm-hmm. year. So I, I waited until <clears throat> just about a week and a half ago to completely cut it back, because there was some life mm-hmm. in the bottom, but uh, I finally had to cut it back. And I'm just wondering, I find, I did find uh, a pyrocantha to replace it with, but I'm just wondering what I need to do to give it the best chance of surviving through the summer here uh, since it's, you know, getting so hot.
3: Yeah, definitely with the soil prep, you know, because you'll take a big root out probably. So you need still to have some soil, good soil, but maybe mix it really good with the soil. Or, well, if you can't take any soil out because the root's so big, then get a topsoil to mix with some of the good compost to hold that moisture and um, just keep it moist through the summertime.
2: Yeah, watering is just going to be your key. That's the main thing. You know? Cause it's not going to have any roots out into your mm-hmm. soil. So it doesn't matter how much soil, how much rain we've had. It all only thing that matters is what the salt water content of that root ball is. And yeah. you know, a lot of times when it's this hot, I'll take a screwdriver and stick it right next mm-hmm. to the trunk and just ream it out, you know, like a 12-inch okay. screwdriver, so that water can roll down into the center of it. And I'll put two or three holes like that in the root ball so that we okay. can get water down in there.
6: Um, do you think it's do you think it's important to remove the root? There's still just a little bit of green left
2: on that. Well, do you think that's... The, I mean, it's going to yeah. eventually come back. It's the, the question is, is the placement of your new one going to be right? I mean, if you're a it spag- mm-hmm. on the wall, is it going to be too far to the right, too far to the left? No. If you need it right there, then I'd just go ahead and remove the other one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because I don't think you're going to be able to get very close to it. I agree,
3: because we lost lots of paracantha on the uh, buildings at where I work. A lot of paracantha. We just have to pull the roots out because we can't plant otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Hey, you're
2: right. All right, hang on. We're going to give you one of uh, uh, Todd's books, our uh, Daily Biscuit, Devotions With a Draw.
4: Alan's going to pick up the phone and get your name, okay? It's a great book, John. Well, thanks. All
2: all right. Enjoy your program, guys.
7: Thank
4: you. Thank, Thank you thanks thanks very for much. for calling in, You John. know, what a shame. I mean, a lot of people lost Paracanthas this year. And like John was saying, you know, you work for years to get these things manicured, you know, and, and get them just the way you want them. And like yeah. I said, blooms in the spring, berries in the mm-hmm. fall, and then all you, you know, we get this crazy winter in here, and, and they're gone, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a tough winter for, you know,
2: that kind of cold temperature doesn't come very often. Yeah. And Amazing. Had we had
4: a lot of cold weather prior to that, I think we wouldn't have seen you know, the damage that we did. I agree. You know? uh, and and oh. let me say this real quick. I know we only got a couple minutes. That And John made a good point. Y'all did also, Veda, Jim, about you can plant this time of year. You know, not a problem. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to have a way to water the plants, you can't plant a beautiful shrub or a tree out there, walk away from it, go out of town for two weeks, come back, mm-hmm. and expect that thing to be alive. Yeah,
2: and that's not an irrigation system. It's going to have to be hand watered. Yes, right. okay. That's the only way you're going to get it through. Uh, also, I forgot to mention if you'd like to get a copy, a signed copy of uh, Todd's book, you can pick it up at the Novel Bookstore up here at uh, Perkins mm-hmm. and
3: Poplar. Check out our podcast. Check out the Facebook page that Jim does. Fantastic information and very beautiful pictures. Answer
2: the questions. So there are three questions. If you don't answer them, you may not get in. Uh, (laughs) You could be voted off the island. Yes.
3: (laughs) And um, let's see. Oh, we already we took John. So. what are you going to do with this beautiful weather today, y'all?
2: Well, I'm going to plant the stuff I got from you yesterday.
3: Thank you. And mm-hmm. everybody, go to your garden center. But you're probably at the lake. And
2: as I say, you know, this Fourth of July weather's going to be nice. Support wildlife. Throw a party.
3: <laughs> That's awesome. See y'all next weekend in the Mid-South Garden.